in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. And Brother Phil. Topic today, the lake of fire. Ooh, I don't think I want to go on a destination there. Definitely not not one of your destination trips. Hot spots. <laughs> yeah. It's a hot spot for a good destination and vacations <laughs> location. <laughs> Now, we're, we're going to talk about this because, obviously, you know, it's in Revelation. As a matter of fact, that's the only place it's ever mentioned, really, is in the book of Revelation, mm. which is very interesting. But the Revelation has quite a bit to say about this place. Well, it definitely is a place that I don't think anyone really wants to visit or be sent there. But we'll go into all those details. But we do know for sure, definitely, who is supposedly there. Because the very first time you really hear about this location is actually in Revelation chapter 19. It's almost like the last three chapters is the only place that this this location is mentioned. The first time it's mentioned is actually in the Armageddon events, actually. Mm-hmm. you know, And that's when the beast and the false prophet are actually thrown there for the first time. This is the first time you actually hear about this place. Right. So go ahead and read that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20 there. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And those two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. We're getting a little bit of detail about this place, okay? So these are the first, it sounds like these are the first two that ever went into the lake of fire. So, Mm. you know, the devil, you know, which, you know, he would be like, I guess you can say the true baddie in (laughs) in the world. He doesn't go there until after. So the beast and the false prophet are actually the first ones there, Mm. which is, I thought was, I think it's kind of interesting because... You know, most people would think, oh, the devil, he's done a lot more evil than this yeah. beast and false prophet guy did. Of course, he gets imprisoned right after this, too. Because this is Arm- the Armageddon events, you know, way back in 70 AD scenario. Uh-huh. So this is the first time you hear about this place, and apparently it must be created during that time. Well, no, we don't know, like, or somewhere before that. It sounds like it was created for a purpose, a destination to house evil. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, like I say, we don't know much about it, only be- that all of a sudden it shows up here in the end of Revelation all, all over the place. This is the kind of the first time we're hearing about this place. And, of course, this is where the beast and the false prophet are cast, mm-hmm. okay? Okay, let's go ahead and move on to Revelation chapter 20, because that's the end of Revelation 19. And then Revelation 20, we're getting more information on this. You want to go ahead and read Revelation 20.10 there. So the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, 
and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now we're getting a lot. This one sentence gives you a ton of information mm. about this lake of fireplace. It doesn't appear to be consuming fire. And, no. we, and we've talked about this in, in previous shows because you look here, the devil... Is the one that, okay, and this is at the end when Satan is defeated at, after the Gog Magog War. That's just, I'm just giving you, we're just reading that verse, but the Gog Magog War is what happens, and they, the, the army loses, you know, fire rains down from heaven, destroys that whole army and all that. And then right after that, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire right after this. And it says there that, remember, the beast and false prophet are already there, and it basically says that here. So the three of them now are, you know, together in this one location. It's, it's a three's company. <laughs> yeah. They're all three of them together. But you notice it says a few things here, okay? Right. That there's going to be night and day there. Because it says they'll, they'll be tormented day and night. So, in other words, there must be like seasons or something there. So this is very confusing to me because I'm just reading the details there. I'm not really adding anything in. I'm just trying to think, okay... But apparently there's a day and a night there. Because that's what it kind of says. And apparently the fire is not a consuming fire. Because remember, the beast and the false prophet are there. And they've been there. They After this time, they had been there for like thirteen over 1,300 years. And so they were cast alive in oh, there. Yeah, alive. The so beast and the false prophet were. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, taking their life away from them. It's just a continual... Kind of like a continual prison kind of experience. Yeah, and so like you say, it says here, and of course, if it was a consuming fire, how could they be tormented day and night right. forever and ever? They would eventually die. See, that's why I'm saying a lot of people have this idea that you know people are going to get annihilated. And I don't necessarily believe in the annihilation theory only because here the lake of fire doesn't describe the way it's described here. I'm just going by the way the Bible describes it. Right. It doesn't sound like annihilation is going on here. It doesn't look at all consuming fire. No, But, no. you know, that would be too quick and easy and painless for them to just be killed and be done with it. No, this is a constant punishment, probably for the the crime or the, the deception that they incurred on people. Well, obviously, we know that, you know, definitely the devil, you know, he has 7,000-year reign of terror on this earth, right. came to an abrupt end here. But, and of course, what is he doing mucking up the place all along? Of course, right now, we're, I believe that we're living beyond his reign. Um, you, of course, I, I believe that, that the demons or whoever took over after he's gone, mm -hmm. basically just are using his playbook. That, that, yeah. It really sounds like, because everything that's described in the Bible, that's what kind of what's going on today, except that it's up the ante, and now it's the devil's playbook that we're living in right now, except we don't have the devil around. We just have have all his minions that he trained all the right. way through those years, running everything now and uh, and messing everything up. But here it talks about that they're going to be tormented day and mm -hmm. night. Here, mm -hmm. the devil will be tormented. It's a they. So all of three of them it says right. okay. So see again, there's so much detail here. They will be tormented. Day and night, forever and ever. I went and looked at that word torment, okay? Because mm -hmm. that's what I do. Yeah. I don't trust a lot of these Bible translators and stuff. So, you know, a lot of times when we, we hear the word torment, we get an, an idea in our minds of what that word means. I, I want you to keep that word in your mind. Now we're going to go over how the Bible defines that word. The word torment, because this is what's going is going on with the devil 
and the false prophet and the beast right now. And, you know, it very well could be everyone else that's not written in the book of life. Right. Now, we'll go into what that word torment means here in a moment. But we're going to keep reading here the rest of the passages of scripture that talk about this lake of fire. Right. So let's move on here to Revelation chapter 20. This is a great white throne judgment here. Right after Satan is thrown into the lake of fire here, the place comes up again. It comes up again in the next section where there's this great white throne judgment that occurs. Right. Where all the people on earth, all the dead are judged according to what they've done. Right. Okay. So go ahead and read that one in Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 and following. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, and each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Okay, so we got the lake of fire here a couple times mentioned. Mm -hmm. Especially in 14 and 15. Okay, so you learn here that death and Hades, which I, I've talked about this before. This is get, A lot of people are very confused. Death is as... Is, is the place of the side of Hades that the bad people went. Right. And then Hades is the kind of place that we'll all, also known as Abraham's bosom or whatever. Right. So there's essentially two sides of Hades here. Right. I've discussed this on what happens after death. A lot of shows I've talked about this, that there's two sides to Hades. Right. One side here, it's called death, and the other side's called Hades. Right. And both of those were cast in the lake of fire, so they weren't being used, used anymore. In other words, everyone, all the dead were judged. If you read above that, uh, the dead were judged according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them. So both these sections of Hades, death and Hades, gave up the dead that were in them, and they, everyone was judged. This is what's known as the Great White Throne Judgment. Right. Of course, each person was judged according to his works, what he did, you know, what is life. You know, this is what we're going to be judged on today. Same thing. Then death and Hades was then thrown in a lake of fire. In other words, it's, got, it's, it's gotten rid of. It's separated. And, of course, now we learn what this lake of fire is really all, all about. It's called the second death. Okay. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's what it says. This is the second death. But we've had a show on death. Right. And I think if you go back to my old show, it's Death Misunderstood. I think that's what the name of the show is, right? Mm -hmm. And I explain death isn't what we think it means. Right. What What is the exact word that describes really what death is? Well, it's a separation. Yes. It's really separation. That's what really death is. Because remember, Adam and Eve... It says, to death you will die. He talked about that. Right. That was the curse that was given to Adam when he sinned in the Garden of Eden. Right. The day you eat it, to death you will die. In other words, to, you'll, you'll separate. Right. You're going to separate from me in the day that you eat that fruit. And that's exactly what happened. What death is here, the second death is, is it's the second separation. See, the first separation everybody has to go through. Everybody goes through the first separation, and we know what that is. It's when our spirit separates from our body. That's the first separation. That's the first death. It, the thing about it is everyone goes through the first separation. Right. The first death. Everyone does that because we all live our lives and then we end up having to die. And that's the first death. First separation. But then we don't have to go through the second, sec second death. 
We don't have to do this. This is a choice. This is because we're going to be we're going to be judged based on what we've done. So here is the second death. And so if, I would encourage you to listen to that show if you haven't. Explaining death means separation. So this is what's happening. These people, because they didn't choose to love God, right. serve God, and all this. Guess what? God's going to give you exactly what you want. It, exactly what you are wishing for, except forever now. He's going to give you exactly what you asked for. You didn't. You, you want to um, be separated from him? You got it. But it's not a torture. It's, it's a separation because you chose to be separated from God. And this is kind of the, what people are going to, it's going to happen. This is why anyone not found written in the book of life is going to be separated from God. Okay, they're not going to be tortured. They're just going to be cast into a place that's called the second death, which that's what the lake of fire is called. Mm -hmm. The second death where they'll be tormented there. Right. Now, in a few moments, we're going to go and, and talk about what that word torment means. Because this is what's going to be happening to everyone who lives and, and d doesn't live a righteous and holy life. Right. Well, right now, we still have another passage of scripture we're going to read about who is going there. Okay, and this is in Revelation chapter 21. That's the next chapter over. Go ahead and read Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 there. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay, again, second death. We heard it, right? So we now know this is the second separation. See, it's all these people that, you know, they, they, they chose to, to live unrighteous. And they don't want to live holy. They want to live wicked lives. The devil, that's why the Satan of this world right now, the wicked people of this world are trying to get everyone to fall into this kind of lifestyle of sexual immorality. Uh, we have uh, sorcery, all these other things. And, you know, making it all, I, you know, idolatry is actually love of money. Right. The Bible actually talks about that. Right. And so, again, the loving of money is a form of idolatry. We could act, we'll probably end up having to do a show on that. Right. But the point is, evil people of this world are doing right now. The, the Satan of this world right now is getting everyone to fall for this idea of living this unrighteous and holy life. Like, this is the life to live. This is the way to go. But here, of course, we know what's going to happen. Right. To the people who live like this. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And you're going to be cast into this lake of fire. I, I, and I, like I say, I don't think it's a consuming fire. Because people are going to be there for uh, apparently ever. But it's not a consuming fire. It's not like you're going to be all oh, burning. And you're, you know, you're, it's not a torturous type of thing. It's, you're going to be tormented there. Right. And we're going to go over. Because, you know, the Bible is very clear. What does this word torment mean? And we're going to go over that now. Because, you know, words have meanings. One thing I've discovered in my biblical research is you got to learn what these words mean, not in what we think they mean, but how does the Bible, and this is how I do things. And my research, what I do is I look at these words and go, well, how does the Bible define these words and how it's used in different places all right, over the Bible? Right. This is what I do. Okay, so we're going to go back to the Old Testament, and we're going to learn about how this word torment, because this is what's going to happen to everyone whose place is found in the lake of fire, is they're going to be tormented along with the devil and his and the beast and false prophet. So even though the lake of fire isn't exactly mentioned in the Old Testament, the word tormented, which is speaking of the lake of fire, has been referenced to. 
Well, it, again, it's describing what that word torment means. Right. Okay. And of course, it's even in the New Testament, we'll go over some passages of scripture right. that talk about what does that word mean and how is it described in place, different places in the Bible. And this gives us a clear indication clarify it. to clarify, okay, is this, because a lot of times we get in our, our minds, this word torture. Well, I think because you know we, we you know we've watched all like the, the movies of people getting tortured like as prisoners of war or you know we we've seen movies like this and we think oh man is that going to be forever and ever people are getting no that's not what it is it's it, it's sort of like this life right now in my opinion because of and, and I'll go into some scriptures that indicate that today I believe the life we're living right now is we're, we're being tormented right now so a torment is different than a torture yeah. And but the word torment is always you're right similar to or in people's minds it's a similar to torture. So if you're being tormented, then you're being tortured. That's not necessarily the case, but that's what we admit, and that's what we automatically assume when we hear that word. Well, I, I I'm the way I'm looking at it is this: you can either choose your torment now, which is what you're doing now. Uh -huh. If you live a righteous and holy life in this world now, it's a form of torment. Right. Because we do not like what, see what's going on in this world today. It's 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 to, to us it's a form of torment. You can either have it now, or you can have it forever mm. at death, your first death. See, I I, I I'll take it. And I'll take my lumps now. <laughs> essentially, is what we're doing. Okay, let's go ahead and read First Samuel chapter five. This is really one of the first places that this word is kind of mentioned in our Bibles. Well, the Lord continued to oppress and torment the people of Ashdod. And he struck the people with boils on their backsides throughout its borders. And when the men of Ashdod realized what was happening, they said, Don't leave the chest of the God of Israel with us, because that's what's making him angry with us and with our God, Dagon. Okay, this is when um, the Philistines... Mm. They had, you know, they went to war against the Israelites one time, and they captured the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, because none of the Israelites were thinking, "Oh, well, we'll bring the Ark of the Covenant with us, and you know, God will be with us if we have the Ark of the Covenant there." Right? Well, what happened was, is God really wasn't with them. All right. Mm -hmm. So what they end up doing is they end up losing the war, and the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. covenant right. But this was a bad news for them because. You know, of course, they you know they weren't any more holy or righteous than the children of Israel, but God was caused them to lose the Israelites to lose the war because of their their wicked lifestyle. Mm. That's why they they had the the Philistines go. But of course, with them, they thought, oh, well, I I got we got the Ark of the Covenant now. Of course, it wasn't working out too well for them <laughs> when they had it. It's, it said here that when they they continued to be oppressed and tormented. Okay, in other words, something was going on and and. They were being tormented by having this in their possession. Right. Okay, so there's something going on, and we don't know. It doesn't give really a clear description of what kind of torment was going on. Boils. And they were getting boils, and they were a lot of problems they were having as a result of having the Ark of the Covenant in their but possession. they had the connection to draw that it was because the Ark oh, of yeah, the Oh, yeah, they figured out real quick. <laughs> it was like, uh, we better get rid of this thing quick. And they ended up just sending it back to Israel on horseback <laughs> because they were like, uh, we got to get rid of this thing because, mm. you know, this thing is a nightmare to us, you know. <laughs> Let's, let's read Matthew chapter uh, eight there, because he there's there's a scripture there that talks a little bit about this as well. Go ahead and read. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, "Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, 
dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Okay, so, you know, this is, again, that words used here. It was a, mm. a, a person that was paralytic. Right. That was, you know, that was, he described a paralytic person as being tormented. Well, because they like- aren't in good health. Sounds like excruciating pain, almost. No, well, a paralytic would be somebody who got paralyzed for some reason. So here is a guy who had a servant that somehow he got paralyzed and he was being, you know, he he wasn't in good, in other words, it sounds to me like he just, here wasn't in good health. And so this is a form of what we call torment. Right. Okay, not being in, in, and that's why a lot of people today are tormented because they have some kind of a health condition which flares up on a regular basis. And this is what sounds like kind of what's described here. Well, you know, to me, I know people who have illnesses and issues with that kind of stuff, their torment is that they can't sleep. Well, yeah. Constantly having to... Even insomnia could be a form Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. torment because you're having trouble... You're not able to rest. You're not getting good rest. You're Mm -hmm. not getting good sleep. You're not feeling very full of energy and all that. Well, they're renewed... And constantly having to be on alert or whatever, that is a torment because you're not able to rest or relax. Let's go to Ezekiel really quick because okay. Ezekiel has a couple places he mentions this word as well. So this gives us a better idea of what this word means. Go ahead okay. and read Ezekiel 12 there, and verse the, 17. And when the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, eat your bread with sorrow and drink your water with torment and affliction. And you shall say to the people of the land, Thus says the Lord to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, on the land of Israel. They shall eat their bread in scarcity and shall drink their water in desolation, that the land may be desolate with all that it contains, for all that dwell in it are ungodly. Okay, so here he's describing this idea that he's going to eat his bread in affliction, or, and that's a word here, use torment and affliction. They, they kind of use that word in combination. Because, in other words, they're not eating it in peace. They're eating it with hardships and trials and struggles. Maybe there's not quite enough. There's scarcity involved. There's not an abundance going on here. And so this is the kind of the way you get this idea that, okay, another word for torment is that, Oh man, I got to struggle to eat this bread, or I got to right. struggle to to do this. It's, it's a it's a constant battle, a constant struggling. So now we're getting this more, a little bit more idea of how, what this word means here. And, and Ezekiel again, verse uh, chapter sixteen, verse fifty two. Go ahead and read read some more about that. So now you must carry your torment, for by your sins you've corrupted your sisters, and your lawless ways are much worse than theirs. So that they. Na- now look better than you. Yes, be ashamed and accept your dishonor, for it's you who made them look better. So from then, I'll remove my rejection, the rejection of Sodom and her daughters, and I'll remove Samaria's rejection, as well as that of her daughters, and then I'll wipe you out of their midst. Therefore, you must now bear the torment and disgrace for all that you did to provoke me. Okay, so there's a couple of tor- the idea of this word torment in there. Mm. They were, of course, at the very beginning, it says you must carry your torment. In other words, you, it, it, torment isn't like you're being tortured. It's just that your afflictions, you got to carry those now. It, this is, so I guess the best word would be like uh, you're having an affliction. 
of some kind. You're not in perfect peace. You're having these trouble. And of course, at the end, here it says, you must now bear the torment and disgrace for all that you did. So this sort of d d describes the idea that we talked about earlier. Those people that are cast into outer dog war, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They'll be angry. They'll be tormented. They'll be... See, this is the kind of the way it's described here. Another it, way of describing that. It almost sounds like, if you think about it, if you're in torment, a constant torment, as if something is replaying back and again, stopping and replaying, stopping and replaying, of a decision, of something you regret doing. Something, a decision or something you regret deciding, and that being your final, where you get your allotment for this torment, that just seems like it's something that they'll reliving that I am a concept, and that's their torment, that if they'd only changed or made a better decision, they wouldn't have to be living that way. It's like if you ever had a past mm -hmm. regret, yep. and you're constantly being reminded of that bad choice, bad choice, if you could have, you know, cause they'll just be reliving that whole... Well, it kind of reminds me of a lot of people that live in sin, mm -hmm. that their life really isn't that great, and I'm not sure why they continue to live that way, because all they are is carrying these afflictions and these torment that they have. Their life is not good, yet they're almost like they're unwilling or maybe unable to change their life to make it even better. And we we, we all know people, I think everyone yeah. my, will know people like this, where it's like, why don't you change your life? Your life is a wreck. You're mm -hmm. a train wreck. And people just live their life this way constantly. Right. I've even got family members. Better this way. You know what I'm saying? Their life is a train wreck. And you, you wanted to say, hey, listen, you know, you might want to think about changing some things in your life. Because right now, the way you're going down, it, you're full of affliction and you're full of, you're full of, full of torment right. in your life. You're, you're right. tormented constantly. And people just live their life this way constantly. And I, I just don't understand this. But we're going to go to Matthew Chapter 4, this gives us another indication of what this word means. Go ahead and read Matthew chapter 4, verse 24 and following. Uh, and Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every illness among the people. And the report of him went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all those who were ill suffering with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Okay, so here Jesus went around all Syria and everything, and he was healing a bunch of sick people, people who were afflicted, it says, with torment. See, mm. this is like, to me, this, again, describes some health condition. Well, an affliction that won't abate, Yeah, something, won't yeah, like, and there's people today, and a lot of people today, they're on medication for this or that because they have these afflictions. Well, and there are and, people who aren't on medication and they have afflictions because, you know, they just haven't been able to find or get help or they refuse to use the medication so they're having to deal with their affliction. Well, yeah, and so here he's describing all these people he had to heal, sick people, mm -hmm. that were afflicted with various diseases and torments. In other words, something something was causing them to be unrest we just yeah settling mm -hmm. so this in my opinion describes a lot of times some kind of health a uh, uh, reoccurring health condition that people can have and, and jesus was going around healing people along that had these kind of torments in their life mm -hmm. and and this is kind of the way it's described here again not torture here just you're not in perfect 
health. You're not you're you're not per, in perfect peace. You, you, your your spirit, your soul is afflicted. This is what this how this word is described. It's like you're not you're not settled. You're not like at peace with it, with, with the way that things are. Things aren't exactly the way they should be, and you know it. And you're not at rest. This is way, the way it's being described here. Right. Mark chapter 6. Go ahead and read that one. And that's verse um, 45. Go ahead. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountains to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by, and then they saw him walking on the sea. They supposed it was a ghost and cried out. Okay, so here, just describing... That the people were on this boat. Jesus wasn't there. He was uh, he was on the shore, and they were winning. They they were straining to, at the rowing. So when they were you know they were going against the 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 wind, the wind. and the waves mm-hmm. when they were straining to row the boat and get to shore or whatever. Okay, so this is exact word to use here to describe torment. Okay, they were tormented because they were going against mm. the waves. Mm-hmm. To get the boat to the other side. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I, I love reading the Bible. A lot of times these stories in the Bible give you the definitions of these words. I, that's why I don't trust Bible definitions of words. I only trust how the Bible describes how these words are used. Right. And this is how I define what a word means. Right. Because this is how you get the real definition of a word. Not these fake oh, Bible di- dictionaries and whatnot. No, I define words by the way they're used in sentences, mm-hmm. and this describes it perfectly. Yeah, they were trying to row their boat against the wind and the waves, and boy, it was tormenting. They mm-hmm. were tormented as a result of that. They, it wasn't an easy row. It wasn't like, oh, they were able to get there. They weren't getting nope. anywhere. Yeah, they weren't getting anywhere, and mm-hmm. so it was, they were, it was a form of torment. Mm-hmm. Again, they weren't being tortured here. Right. They were just... They were going against the grain, and that's kind of the way all of us feel today. And this last one we're going to read in Second Peter... This is how Lot felt when he was in the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is kind of what we feel like today in our, in our day and age. And so I think we'll all relate to this one. Mm-hmm. And this also describes the same word, too. Go ahead and read Second Peter chapter 2, verse 40, 4 through 8 there. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment... And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood to the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, and making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for the righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Okay, so here it's describing this idea that Lot, living in Sodom and Gomorrah, okay, living in Sodom there, that he his soul was afflicted with, was tormented, the same exact word mm-hmm. used here. 
he had a, a tormented soul because he could see all the wickedness that was going on around him. That's how, honestly, how that, that's kind of how we feel today. Yeah. Honestly, that's why I'm saying this is how every true believer in this world, yeah. probably everyone listening to this show, feels tormented every single day because they see all the wickedness around. They see all the the rampant, you know, sin all over our lives and what's being pushed at us constantly. And you, we should be like Lot. We should be like tormented as a result. And that's what I feel. I feel like tormented in this place. And this is this is kind of how this word's described. Well, the idea is that we're tormented because there's not much we can do. This surroundings that we live in are quickly deteriorating and going against the righteous grain. So that's why we feel that tormented feeling because there's so much evil and decadence of sin and depravity that so many people are falling into and choosing to fall into that it's just, we, we do feel like it's, it's a losing game just because of the sadness we're feeling that there's not much we can do about it. Everyone, I think, in this world and in the, the day and age we live in, the, the, the deception going on, the wickedness is being pushed down to our throat. We should be, we, everyone should today, that if you're a righteous person, you should feel like, like Lot did, mm-hmm. living in Sodom. Really, we should. And that's why I'm saying you, you could either choose your torment now in this life, or you could choose your torment in the next one that will go on for ages. Okay. I'd prefer to just be tormented in this life and go, you know what? I'm just going to make it through, endure this life. I know this life is full of sin and depravity. You see it being shoved down our, our throats all the time. But we can endure to the end of this. So we don't get thrown in the lake of fire. Because that's what will happen. Everyone will. will that's going to be the place everyone's going to go. Who doesn't choose to live a righteous and holy life. We should feel like Lot. Honestly. Our, our scenario. We should feel like that guy. Who was like. Man. This is terrible. What I'm seeing going around me all the time. Well that's because he couldn't do anything about it. I mean. Yeah. He tried. But there was really no hope for them. Because they all gave themselves over to it. Yeah, people just live like to live a sinful life, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, if you're just majority rules, if people are living that way around you, you can't do anything about it. But you can yourself be like Lot and just okay, I'm going to be different than everyone in the right. around me, and that's just the way I'm going to how I'm going to conduct my life. Well, we can't live people's lives for them. We can't help them choose what's right. It's all to each his own. They all have to decide how they want to live, and you know if they want to choose that punishment or not. And I don't think a lot of people are really aware or really fully comprehend final decision or the final judgment of their decision and being tormented idea that I don't think people thoroughly thought that through. Well, this is what the second death is all about. This is why I'm trying to, I'm warning people constantly. Listen, if you, everyone needs to avoid this second death. Mm. Because this is a second separation. Okay, everyone separated once from their bodies. Their, their, their soul and their body separate at death. We all have to go through that. But only the wicked will have to be separated again from God. Right. In what's known as the second death. But that is the worst punishment. And see, and this is what causes, I think this is what really causes the afflictions. This is really what causes the torment in mm-hmm. people's life. Because there's you, without God's presence around you, it's like you're tormented. Well, the idea, though, is is here. We know that the breath of life is what we all have. And 
a breath of God in our life. I guess that's what I meant. But the idea, though, is that knowing and seeing and, and even having a relationship with God, we know there's something beautiful to that. And that life, it really is nothing without Him. And if you are cast to a punishment where you are no longer able to have any of His presence or you're totally cut off from God, that would be the most devastating, darkest, loneliest, I would say, even that there's lots of people and evil people with you, I wouldn't want to wish that on anyone because that would mean that there's no hope whatsoever for rescue because you chose that. And that's what God gives you. He gives you what you choose. Mm -hmm. See, this is what every, everyone can choose life, can choose to be in the presence of God, and this is what gives you peace. See, I think really what this is talking about is people that are not at peace. They have afflictions. They're not, they're not at... They're not, they don't have a good presence. They don't have a good aura around them, a sense of, of peace and, and long suffering and all that. No, what's going on is they're always fighting against everything, fighting against God. And then in the end, they, they don't have God anymore because they choose uh, uh, wisely. And then their whole eternity now mm. is, is fighting against God. Because you know what? The only thing that makes this world halfway decent. Amen are people that have actually chosen the Lord as their Savior, mm -hmm. okay? Everything else, if we didn't have God, you should just read some of the New Testament stories. Before Christ came into this world and what Christ was, was dealing with, the way people were living their lives, it sounded like a freaking nightmare, honestly. I've read some things in the Bible that would be like, really, they were doing this and that? This is no, a norm. Weren't even caring for their brothers and people around them. This is something that we don't, we couldn't imagine today because we have God's love in at least our culture somewhat. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine living eternity without that? Because mm -hmm. this is what's going to happen to people who don't choose God's love and don't choose to live a righteous and holy life. They're going to be cast out mm -hmm. into the lake of fire, which it doesn't seem like it's a consuming fire. It's just going to be a place where you're tormented with the devil and his you know, the beast and the false prophet. And the angels are going to get there too eventually. We just don't know when. Because that's what it says. It says, you know, the, the, the beast and the false prophet are there, but the, but the fallen angels haven't gone there yet. The de his demons right. haven't gone there yet. Right. They're going to get there at some point. But right now, they're mucking up this place right now. Right. So God's using them right now to, he, he cast the devil in the lake of fire, but now it's just all his minions that right. are running everything. Because we're living in Satan's little season, unfortunately still. Thank God we're not tormented, though. Not only because it's right there in our Bibles. But because it's the only thing that makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright Living in Satan's Little Season production.